Who's live? Online, online, online. That's what it's going to tell me. You guys are maybe out there and kicking. There could be, could be some folks out there. Always good to hear. Maybe there's folks out there, out there in the ether, waiting for their daily dose of cyber news. Welcome to your cup of cyber. It's Jim with Cyber Recon. Obviously, we got a heavy day ahead of us because it's Thursday. It always starts out this way. It always starts out Monday. We're late. We just build and build and build to this crescendo of cyber news and information that's coming out for you today. Today, our early coffee is in a Montana coffee cup because we're sporting the Montana Grizzlies Go Grizz shirt. Um, just, just saying, big sky country, man. What a beautiful place. So, what is going on in the news today, you might say? Uh, what is out there? Um, a bunch of stuff. A bunch. Uh, a load. Every day it's loads. It loads more and more and more onto our plate that we have to deal with. As cyber risk and security professionals, uh, we just are... This heavy weight we're bearing, this, this load we have to carry of new threats, new vulnerabilities, new attackers coming at us each and every day. What is new today? Let's think about what we've got. We've got um, a new vulnerability in Android. We've got Dutch hackers that have figured out how to mess with traffic lights. Uh, we've got Department of State putting out a bounty or a reward for folks that are trying to break into the elections or alter the election. Um, Lazarus Group is adding new, new attack techniques, new ransomware techniques to their uh, attack portfolio. Eskino, Ensico, Ensico, another attack strain. Uh, Red Car and Cleveland talk about their cyber attack. Um, the FBI is out there telling you what to watch out for with your Windows 7 installation. Um, so much going on that we need some good news today. And that good news is going to come at you as the fact that it is Root Beer Float Day. Kind of sponsored by a has been around for a while. But that's that's the stuff we've got coming at you. God, it's a lot. Uh, I remember when we first started doing this. Well, first started doing it was the format was totally different. We first started doing the cyber news as a big push forward. It was about four stories a day. We cover about four stories a day. Uh, I think today we've got seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven stories. And that's pared down from the list that comes out, the, the massive list that's out um, of, of the... Um, things we need to talk about. There's stuff we just can't talk about. We'll, we'll never, ever get to it. So we have to kind of cull or harvest the top things, the best stories of the news. That's what we have to go with. We have to go with those things that you're going to need to know today. Those things that are the most important. Those things you may get questions on today. Um, so that's, that's what we've got. That's what we've got on the docket. That's what we're talking about. This is probably going to be, uh, unless something changes drastically, this will be our second to last episode that we'll restream. And what that means to you is if you're watching on Twitch or you're watching on Facebook, um, 
it's going to be moved all onto YouTube. All the live is going to be moved onto YouTube. So if you like watching it live, you're going to have to watch it on YouTube, which is youtube.com front slash cyber recon. Still go live. We still push everything out live. All the content's live. On, but it's only going to be on Cyber Recon as we go forward. It's only going to be on Cyber Recon's YouTube channel, I should say, as we go forward. Just because the the software that's being used to send the stream to multiple locations just fails me on comments. It just it, the comments don't come through, and that's a big part of what I think the show is all about: is hearing from you guys, hearing your your comments, make, making sure that you know your input is added because I've got one perspective. I've got one view of the news. You guys got another view. And a lot of you guys out there watching are cyber professionals. You're security folks. You're working in the risk arena. So you know your slant on these things. So you got I got to have that input too. That's what rounds out the show. That's what makes it what it is. So without the, the feedback, without the chat, without being able to put the comments from Kevin and Dennis and Alex and everybody else uh, and Paul everybody everybody that comments you're part of the show you're part of what is getting everyone informed about the cyber events of the day the cyber news of the day um, and that's just important that is important to me uh, that your your act your your comments are heard I'm trying to get it's weird when you look in the thing you got backwardsness uh it's like being back in the military and doing the mirror technique on your exercises so that's what we're talking about today that's the news of the day there's a ton going on so there's no need to hang out keep waiting let's throw the intro out there i'll get the news set up and queued up and we'll be back right after right after the intro Always a little good, good little tune to hear in the morning, because that means that means we are getting on with the day. Um, this pandemic has got got us crazy, right? Um, I, I forgot DefCon's going on. I mean, DefCon and Black Hat are going on in Vegas. I just just forgot. It's just that <laughs> it's that kind of year where things just just get lost in the mix. But as if you know anything about DEF CON and Black Hat, they are security conferences held in Las Vegas, Nevada. And they're, they're huge. They're, they are the biggest, in my mind, the biggest cyber conferences um, that I know of, right? There's, there's, other, there's other conferences going on. ShmooCon here in D.C., that, um, that happens. There's B-Sides, which are always great to go to if you can go to a B-Sides event. Um, and a ton of other um, conferences, but I think Black Hat and DefCon are the security conferences. I just forgot they were going on. But there's a lot of news coming out of Black Hat and DefCon that uh, we need to talk about, and one of them is this new Android uh, attack. Uh, so attackers looking to see it steal sensitive information like contacts, call history. SMS verification codes from Android devices only need to target Bluetooth protocols, according to a new DB Apps security research 
presented at the 2020 Black Hat Conference Wednesday. Um, this is from CyberScoop. Um, these, these exploits, and there's two of them, uh, take advantage of a zero-day vulnerability uh, that allows hackers to send fake test mess text messages um, if they're popular. <laughs> Hold on. There we go. If they're properly implemented. So one of them takes advantage of this connection uh, that's made between a Bluetooth device and something like a car or your house or a uh, speaker, whatever that Bluetooth connection is. Um, and it's called Blue Reply. And, and essentially the attacker would take advantage of the authentication bypass. Um, you do have to approve this one. So it's kind of like in your car. Such and such wants to connect to your, your phone, but it, once you connect, um, done deal, man. They, they are totally, they being the hackers, are totally um, bypassing authentication. They can intimidate it, uh, intimidate. <laughs> they can imitate a device and exploit the, the phone. So um, the actual effect of this vulnerability is the victim has no awareness at all that attackers access their personal phone or SMS messages. Sorcel Shu, a security researcher at B DB App Security, told CyberScoop. Uh, um, do, 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 do. That's probably, I think that's the second one. That's the second. Uh, yeah, the, that's Blue Reply. Blue Reply um, targets the ability for a device that has previously been associated with that network to reconnect to it. Um, so generally, hackers can exploit Blue Reply to steal users' contacts, call logs, short messages, but can go one step further to send a fake test me text message from victims' devices uh, if they're exploiting any device made from one particular manufacturer. They don't say which manufacturer, but that manufacturer made approximately 100 million Android devices, right? Um, it works by allowing the attackers to disguise themselves as a trusted application, requesting permission that allow one Bluetooth-enabled device to share data with another device, such as a headset or car infotainment system. Um, the other attack it runs successfully, uh, must be enabled on the target device, and the victim must approve the attack to request privileges. So there's two two attacks here. One just just sneaks, sneaks right in. It doesn't need any permission from the from the user. The other one is kind of like your car. It needs permission to make the connection. So there's two going on. Both uncovered are both briefed at Black Hat um, this week. Guys, crazy that, crazy that Black Hat's going on right now. Um, crazy. Um, so that's what's going on. This this is tied to a note that Twitter put out as well, saying you got to get to patch your stuff because they they of course are on the chopping block for a number of things, and they don't want another round of people sending out messages to to Twitter on you know doubling your money, double down on your money kind of thing. That's what the, so Twitter is jumping on this saying hey. Go patch your Android devices because they know that if this is exploited, the attacker can not only get your information, but they can send out short messages, which is exactly what Twitter is all about, um, sending out short messages. So it would allow an attacker um, to get within Bluetooth range of someone, some celebrity, some important person, 
and send that message out asking for Bitcoin again or some other type of scam. So blue, this, this blue reply, this other attacks on Bluetooth devices on Android um, has really got Twitter up in arms too. They're saying, hey, go, go patch this thing because we don't want to be playing that game again. It's just not something we want to do. So, so Twitter, Bluetooth, and Android all in the news on this one. Check it out. It's in the story from CyberScoop down below. Um, this next one's kind of interesting. Uh, it's all about being like the Hollywood movie star, right? So you go, we, we've all seen these movies where, you know, some hacker goes in and he gets into the traffic grid and he's changing all the lights and making people, making it so that the, the bad guy can get away by racing down the street and all the lights turn green. Um, the story here from Wired Magazine talks about Die Hard 4 and the Italian job that talk about this. It's not as easy as that is, that all is. It's not as easy as you know, logging into some terminal and sending signals to um, the traffic system. So it's been tried and it's been presented. So uh, the bottom of this, the story talks about um, there, there, there was the ability to mess with traffic lights in the United States. Um, and that's towards the bottom of the story here. Essentially, it was, it was, it was, there was the ability to send spoofed traffic communications to a traffic light to the traffic sensors to influence the traffic lights um and it's been done a couple times it was presented at uh, black hat or defcon a couple years ago um there was a paper on it by the university of michigan uh, it was defcon is where it was uh, presented this year but the, the ability to influence traffic lights that old way you had to be within radio frequency distance of the traffic light to be able to, to change it. So you couldn't, you know, be sitting in the hotel like the Italian job and hacking in and changing lights and, and watching cameras and all the craziness that they do in the shows. This one is a little different. And this is works really, doesn't work really here in the United States. This works on Dutch uh, traffic lights and it's been proven kind of in 10 different cities that it works in 10 different cities in the Netherlands. And essentially what, it, what it's doing is there's a program in the Netherlands, in, in the Dutch system, um, where if you're on a bicycle and you have this application on your phone and it coordinates your GPS location with a traffic light, if there's no other traffic coming or if, if, it's, if, if it's time to cycle those lights, this program will allow the bike bicyclist getting close to the light to send their GPS location to the system the system will analyze the traffic, and if possible, it will change that light green for the cyclists so they can keep on trucking through the light. So essentially, you know, obviously in the United States, we care quite a bit less about cyclists. Um, we care quite a bit less about pedestrians for that fact. We care a lot about cars, um, and the rest of it can kind of, you know, go figure out whatever they're going to do. So we don't have this program where if you're on a bicycle and you're getting close to a light and it's possible to change the light, it'll change. But in the Netherlands, that's where this worked. Um, they tried two different applications. The first one only worked in like one or two cities. The second one works in at least 10 different cities. Um, and what essentially what they're doing is from a remote location, they can spoof the GPS location uh, in this app. They can spoof the GPS location to a location close to a traffic light and if that light is ready to cycle or there's not traffic there, um, it'll change it 
to green for the bicyclist to get through the light. So really it's an annoyance uh, more than anything right now because the traffic lights, if there's a lot of traffic, is not going to immediately change for this bicyclist to get through. Um, but it can lock up traffic. Um, if used right, it could cause some pretty good traffic jams. Um, it's crazy, but as we see more of this integration, more of the integration of apps, smart apps, apps on phones with infrastructure, this is a good example of it. It's probably ahead of anything we'd see in the United States. Um, but in this case, you know, it's the, the little bicyclist with their app getting up close to the light, the light turning green, and they can just keep trucking, can be abused to actually control the light from a remote location. So this one can be done from anywhere, right? So if you wanted to, you could spoof the information on this app to allow the traffic light to be modified. Uh, given a bunch of a bunch of there's a bunch of requirements and special circumstances around this right it has to be one of these cities that has this program up and running um, it has to be a light that is ready to cycle or it's you know low traffic um, a bunch of different things but it's just a, an indicator of where things are going so uh, as we integrate more apps with our infrastructure we have to think about things like this um, so essentially it's an attacker masquerading as a bicyclist. And even though they're not at that GPS location, they can pretend they're at that GPS location, send the signal, and it will it will change the light if if all conditions are correct. So that's coming. Go it, that's a per, it's a pretty good article. It does talk a little bit about the attack that is possible in the United States, but that's um, only possible if you're within radio frequency radio frequency distance to a light so you can't change them all, all across the city like in this case in the Netherlands you could you know as a as an application or a group of people you could change a bunch of lights uh, in the in in the Netherlands right uh, in the Netherlands um, Department of States up on the on the news as well um, this is the third time the US Department of State rewards for justice program has been used um, and this article from ZDNet talks about the Department of State offering $10 million for information uh, leading to the identification of any person who works with a foreign government for the purposes of interfering with U.S. elections through illegal cyber activities. And the article talks about a bunch of stuff. It tells you know we're about 100 days away from the election. A lot of people are worried about people messing with the electronic uh, voting system, um, influencing social media, all kinds of stuff. So this is not, they, they go out to say, this is this is specifically targeted at people in other countries. Uh, and it's just not just any hacker. Um, so um, the article goes on to say, such adversaries could also conduct malicious cyber operations against U.S. political organizations or, command, or campaigns to steal confidential information and then leak that information as part of influence operations to undermine political organizations or candidates. That falls under this uh, reward as well. Um, so they're worried about, you know, the Torrent State is worried about people messing with the election. So, like I said, this is the third time that this has been used. Um, so the article talks about the three times. Um, the reward will be paid through the Department of State's Rewards for Justice program. Uh, 
and it only applies to information provided about activities of hackers associated with foreign governments that may try to meddle in US the US election process, not just any hackers, right? So that's a big important thing to know. Um, this is the third major award offered for information on hackers through the Rewards for Justice program. In April, the state uh, Department of State officials offered $5 million for information leading to the identification and capture of North Korean government hackers. U.S. officials say North Korean hackers are responsible for a large number of cyber attacks focused on financial gain in recent years, um, most outside the normal spectrum of intelligence gathering that's quietly accepted in most countries. Um, and we're going to talk about Lazarus Group, right? Like Lazarus is coming up in the show, and we'll talk about Lazarus. That's APT 38 for you folks keeping track at home with the APTs. That's a state-sponsored advanced persistent threat, the Lazarus Group. Um, and they're out of Korea. They're about financial gain. They're about propping up and keeping the North Korean government funded. Uh, in addition, the, in July, the U.S. State Department offered its second major award to a foreign hackers who offered two separate $1 million rewards for information on Ukrainian hackers leaked to the breach of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission in 2016. Um, so obviously this is things that people are worried about. They're worried about the, the influence that happened in the last election. They're worried about people breaking into uh, the voting machines. They're worried about a bunch of stuff. Um, so the State Department is, you know, working with trying to get this reward out on the national stage, trying to figure out, you know, how we can keep the election secure. Uh, and obviously that is obviously an important thing. Um, so speaking of the Lazarus Group, um, and we think about what the Lazarus Group does. Lazarus Group is normally tied to somehow uh, influencing other countries or more than that, getting financial gain for the North Korean regime, the, the, the political structure in North Korea. So this is from Cyware Social. I like Cyware Social. They put some good stories out. Um, Lazarus Group makes a new uh, news again with a, the new VHD ransomware. And they don't ever explain what VHD stands for. But according to research by Kapersky, the North Korean-linked Lazarus APD group has been spotted using its own ransomware called VHD. The connection was established by researchers during the analysis of attacks conducted by Lazarus on businesses in Asia and France. Um, so links to, the, you know, this links to the infection chain uh, commenced with threat actors gaining access to the target networks after exploiting vulnerable VPN gateways. That's how they got in. They exploited as VPN gateways. Um, the privilege at, privileged on compromised networks were escalated, um, and a backdoor was installed as part of the Mata framework, a malware framework. This framework associated with North Korean-based Lazarus Group, based on one-of-a-kind orchestrator file names uh, and versions of manuscript Trojan, uh, manuscript Trojan, or Bulgamer. Um, so this is new. This is this is new, and it's new for them because. Normally, they don't um, use ransomware. Um, so they have, Lazarus has been motivated uh, to target big global organizations. Um, they really haven't messed with ransomware since they messed around with WannaCry. Um, and that's been a while. So they stayed away from it. Um, now we can ex expect to see more 
ransomware attacks by Lazarus as they move forward. Um, the article concludes by saying, it's now expected that these recent attacks are part of an emerging, an emerging trend pushing organizations to take preemptive security measures against such state-sponsored threats. Uh, and we said APT38 is Lazarus. We worry about them. Um, again, state-sponsored APT um, out of Korea. So what they're after, they're after, you know, they're after financial gain. That's what Lazarus does. They're using that financial gain to prop up the uh, North, Korea, North Korean regime that gets money for the infrastructure, the political structure. Um, so three points the article makes about how to stay, stay safe. Ensure all system software and applications are updated with the latest security patches. Conduct a cybersecurity audit of the organization's network and remediate all vulnerabilities discovered in the perimeter, uh, inside the perimeter or inside the network and, and on the perimeter. Uh, ensure that security teams are powered with the latest threat intelligence and TTPs or techniques uh, tools and procedures. I always give them TTPs mixed up. Uh, you guys always correct me on that one. So be aware Lazarus is, is doing new things. They're in the ransomware arena again um, because there's a ton of money. Like we said yesterday, um, it's possible uh, NetWalker made $25 million in three months. Come on, man. A lot of money to be made in, in ransomware. A lot, a lot of ways to get in trouble, though. So don't, don't think about doing it. Just be aware that it's out there. Uh, and Sicko is uh, next on the Choppingware chug block. It's another addition to the ransomware lineup. So this is from Cyware Social again. Uh, this is a malware threat to any system using PHP, such as Windows, Linux, and Mac. Uh, what other systems are there? Um, <laughs> to me, they're all Windows systems. Oh, I guess mainframe, COS. Um, malware can be remotely used by threat actors to control a compromised system and conduct malicious activities. So cap capability, other capabilities it has, and Sicko uh, can execute shell commands on the target system and send back the results to the operators via PHP reverse shell. Um, scan servers look for other web shells, uh, deface websites, disclose sensitive information, send mass emails, and download remote files, amongst other things. Um, malware can be password protected. Um, the file encryption component is one of the capabilities that can be used to wage attacks against servers. Um, according to Trend Micro, the malware uses PHP Rengel 128 algorithm um, with CBC mode to encrypt files uh, in a shell directory, um, cyclic block chaining, uh, CBC. Um, another function includes recursive overwrite of files within a spe specified extension in a directory of a web shell. Um, I mean, it's just we're, we're wiping out files, right? Uh, and recursive overwrite just means we're going to delete a file by just overwriting it a bunch of times. Um, conclusion on this one, bottom line is that the use of web shell malware to exploit computer networks has increased. Should be noted the only internet not only, uh, should be noted that only internet connected systems are not the targets. Basically, all, all systems that um, can run this PHP are targets, not just the the, the ones connected to the Internet. Um, web shells are frequently deployed to non-Internet-facing servers, such as network device management interfaces uh, or internal content management systems. Moreover, web shells are difficult to identify 
as they can be easily modified by the operators um, and several detection methods should be employed to discover such malware in a system. So essentially it's a, a PHP script um, that can be launched against any flavor of operating system if it's Windows, Linux, or Mac, uh, Mac OS. Um, and it can do a bunch of things, uh, rewrite and deface files, it can send information out, it can do all kinds of stuff, including uh, encrypting the file system or overwriting files. Um, so it's dangerous, dangerous thing. Um, so it's not exactly ransomware. It can do all kinds of things in addition. Um, and it doesn't say who's who's using this thing. I guess it's it's out there as a new player in, in the world, right? Um, some things we have to worry about. Obviously, ransomware is everywhere. Um, I've spent a lot of time on this one. This is just talking about uh, red car cyber attack and the cost of this thing. So... Um, CyberTAC on Council's computer systems estimated cost more than 10 million pounds. That's about uh, $13.5 million or so. Um, so 135 people were, were impacted by, a lawn, uh, by this outage by Redcar and Cleveland's website and the computer systems that were targeted. Uh, things they couldn't, couldn't log into the site, they couldn't do normal collection of taxes, that kind of stuff. So they figured out how much it cost for this attack and Again, this is just so you have information in your arsenal when you go to talk about your security budget. Um, figure of 10.4 million, million pounds was given to government, uh, given to the government along with other information to assist in uh, the due diligence process. Um, recovery of IT equipment and replacement of stuff is about 2.4 million pounds. Um, some other things is just you know lost revenue um, was about a million pound because a million pounds because they couldn't um, collect taxes and that kind of thing. That just run, uh, you know, runs down what this attack cost. It's good to know, you know, this attack, this particular attack, uh, cost about $13.5 million, let's say. Uh, just so you have in your arsenal of, you know, why we care about security at work, right? That's important, I think. That's an important, important concept. Um, and then finally, finally, in our long list of news stories, uh, the FBI is, is issued a warning over Windows 7 to, to just basically saying, come on, people, it's end of life. Let's get rid of it. Um, people are actively attacking this thing, um, going after it like crazy. There's a free upgrade to Windows 10. And obviously the thing they point out is maybe you can't afford the hardware to go into Windows 10. I'm telling you personally, if, if you're not upgrading, you're, you're just primed for one of these attacks. There's too many vulnerabilities out there to do, to keep running with an end of life system. Um, you're not getting patches uh, on Windows 7. You're not getting those security updates unless you're paying for the upgrade. If you're paying for the extended service, and if you're paying for the extended service, you can pay for the hardware. Take the free upgrade to 10. Get to 10, it's, 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 it's a jump and I know it's hard for some organizations to do it. But if we look back at the movement from XP um, to 7, um, there was those systems that hung out at XP were far too vulnerable and way more attacked than anything else. Um, the FBI says, however, you know, when reacting to the cost of the upgrade, uh, be it time or equipment, the FBI says, however, these challenges do not outweigh the loss of intellectual property and threats on an organization, um, 
essentially if you don't upgrade and you get hacked. And there's a bunch of bunch of attacks out there that target Windows 7 systems. Um, and if you have Windows 7 still, you, you're right in that uh, in that target zone. You're right in the target zone. Um, so it's crazy, you know. We have to worry about these things. Um, just seeing what's going on with the, the stream, making sure everything is working. Um, so we have to protect ourselves. We have to upgrade if we can. So ensure antivirus, spam filters, firewalls are up to date, properly configured and secure. Audit the network configurations to isolate computers that cannot be updated. I'm saying put them in their own VLAN. That allergy's killing me today. Um, auditing your network systems using RDP for, for systems using RDP because that's a big attack vector. If you have Windows 7 and RDP or remote desktop uh, protocol, you're, you're, pick, you're just asking for it. Close un, unused RDP ports. Apply two-factor authentication wherever possible and log all RDP logout attempts so you know when somebody's knocking on your door trying to get in. Um, basically, if you got Windows 7, if you, if you have Windows 7, please, please, please have a plan to upgrade it. Have a plan to get that thing corrected, to get it off of your network. Don't, don't continue on with it. Um, gosh, it's just, it's bad news. It's bad news to keep running Windows 7. That's, that's all I got to say. Um, just like that. And then that's, that wraps up, you know, there was a ton, a ton in the news. Uh, it's important to know about Lazarus. It's important to know about um, Enseco. I get all these things tied up. Those are those you need to know about. You need to know about this new Android attack. Uh, that's important. The other stuff's kind of filler to make sure you have the information around your day. You know the red car and Cleveland attack. No, no, that attack cost that that organization part of the card part of the government about thirteen and a half million dollars to to recover from. Um, no, the Dutch hackers are messing with lights. Um, think about that as we're working about adding or upgrading features to our smartphones and what things we can do here in the in the good old US of A. Um, and the other thing is, before we go, it, it is root beer float day. Sponsored by AW. Um, man, I don't have the link up. I, I killed the link. Um, I think I think I, if I remember the article right, because it's not up there anymore, but check out the article. I think if you go to AW get a free root beer float today. Um, that's that's always a good thing, right? Maybe on a bad day you need a root beer float. So that's your rundown of the day. That's what's going on. Man, there's a lot, a lot, a lot going on. Um, working on things, working on closing the loop on a bunch of activities here around the Cyber Recon shop. Um, one thing, making Cat 6 cables last night. Um, some folks in the Cyber Recon crew had never made cables before. And if you ever made cables... You know it's fun. The new these new cables, um, they're pass through. Uh, you, you separate. You still got to do your, your wires in order. You put your wires in order. You get them all straightened out, and then you can push it through the the end of the RJ45 cable. There's little holes in the end. So once you're aligned and you you get in those tracks and you push forward, instead of butting up against the end of the plastic cap, there's holes and all the wires come out the top. You can pull them out the top. You can pull it tight down to the the neck of that sheathing. Uh, make sure it's a nice nice solid connection and then you can double check your colors again uh, before you crimp down you can look to see 
if you're in the correct order for which type of connector you're making. And then you can crimp down, clip the ends off, Bob's your uncle. Man, these are nice. Um, much easier way to do it than the old school where you got shoved them in there and one got bent, you crimped it down, you did your test, just only realized you know you missed a cable, you cross-connected cross something. Um, your tester told you, try again, you clip that end off and start over. Um, these are a lot nicer, a little bit easier, easier to use in a couple ways. Um, the first time, this is the first time I've used these ones. Um, but when you, when you first time you use them, you, you do have to force that cable through to get all those wires to come out, um, all of those little holes. So um, we'll be talking about that more. And Mako is actually going to do a video, put a video together, walking you guys through using these new types of RJ45 connectors. Pretty damn cool in my book. Uh, pretty dang cool if you're, you're, you're sensitive. Um, we're gonna make we got a cable we got to cable everything up we got to make a bunch of cables for the relay rack we got to make a bunch of cables from the back of the patch panel to the switch we've got all kinds of stuff to do we gotta make some long cables to run from way over there to way over here i'll show you all that when we upgrade the network um and we got the network drawing done ish there's a couple things that aren't on it but we're just going to roll with it we're going to roll with that let you see the network uh let walk through securing the current infrastructure, which is essentially, we backed it all the way down to just the router provided by the cable company, walk through securing that on the device, on a web browser, and then the last mile device, there's some things you can only configure on your phone, so we'll do that as well, and then we'll jump into, uh, we're going to jump all the way forward to the Ubiquiti stuff, and then we're going to back up to the middle layer, uh, which is if you have a fat access point that has firewall, IDS, DHCP all built into that one device. Um, but I really want to get this ubiquity set up. It's, it's a cool system. Um, we figured out how we're going to put all three, uh, where we're going to put all three of the access points. Um, we're going to walk through setting all those up. This environment, they're not fat access points. They're thin access points. They're just the radios that connect back. They're power over ethernet powered. So all you need is that cat five cable. Plug it in, and again, Bob's your uncle. It's going to be a cool setup. Going to move forward. So hope to see you along that route. Um, but anyways, as always, like you know, Mike's going to tell you, uh, go get some. I'm going to say, you know, uh, keep on rocking in the free world, right? Go, go have a safe day. Go secure the stuff. Take care of your friends, family, and coworkers. Make sure they know what's going on. Make sure if they've got Androids, let them know about this vulnerability. Um, if you're running Windows 7, if you got friends, family, coworkers running Windows 7, get them off Windows 7. I take the free upgrade to 10, even though it expired a, a while ago. Um, when did they say expired? Uh, ended in July 2016. They're still allowing systems to be upgraded at no cost to Windows 10. So go from 7 to 10. Get 7 off your network. Get it off your friends, family, coworkers network. Get off your corporate network if you got it there still. <sighs> That's the day. That's the day we had. That's what's ahead. And you go enjoy root beer float if you can. But that's that's it for me. I will see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. If you can, hit the like button, hit the bell to subscribe uh, to be notified when. <laughs> hit the like button, subscribe, hit the bell to be notified. Uh, drop a comment below. That'd be awesome. Um, and like the like the video. Always helps the logarithm. So, anyways. I'll see you guys tomorrow, 7.30. Um, if you're watching later in the day, thanks for watching later in the day. I appreciate that, too. Um, 
And if you're watching later today, drop a comment. If you can't drop, you can't comment live, but you can comment in the comment section. I always reply to those. So until tomorrow, uh, we'll see you guys. Be safe out there.